Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peas in the Pod Cast. I'm Nathan. I'm Subin. I'm Sia. I'm Henry. And we are a group of four students who are passionate about psychology. And we've come together like peas in a pod to discuss the world of psychology and the role it plays in our lives. In this episode, we're going to discuss the the concept of mental health, especially as it relates to students and, and school. When it comes to school, I think there are several factors, you know, that, that affect mental health. Um, you know, like, m- by mental health, I just mean things that may put you, that you could think of things that put, just, you know, put you down a bit, make you feel down. But m- when, we, when we're talking about actual mental health, it's like real, real problems, right, with your mental processes and how you, how you perceive yourself, the things we've been discussing a little bit. Like, there's a concept of normality and, like, abnormal psychology, you know, um, there can be certain illnesses that can be diagnosed and they can and then there are others that are considered normal but what really is normal you know mm. and to start off we we'd like to discuss the concept of bullying in school and how how that may affect mental health exactly so henry you're going to take us through like what what i guess is the definition for bullying because it, it's a, it's sometimes a spectrum right it's a bit hazy what it is so maybe so the, the Centers for Disease Control defines bullying as a form of youth violence towards a victim. And so every time bullying occurs as a victim and a aggressor kind of scenario mm-hmm. where unwanted aggressive behavior is displayed from a bully. And bullying can, can happen, you know, in a variety of ways. It could be, nowadays it could be cyberbullying or yeah, it could be yeah. physical bullying or it could be, it could be more, you know, social and more passive type of bullying yeah that, that, that's something you know I think never never seen like mass media the, the passive bullying right I guess the, the slow isolation in like social groups right you know right. what I mean and those like little you know it, it's like it's like not just passive but it's also there's there's an element of aggression to it you know mm. and yeah passive passive aggressive behaviors could definitely count as bullying I mean as Henry said bullying is a bit too vague it's really hard to define but then it occurs a lot you can see a lot it's quite often you can see it often in any high school or middle school you can also see it in different medias yeah and for sure i think throughout whenever since bullying has been studied has been studied we know it has psychological impacts that carry forward into Right. Those lives. And, and it has been studied in from the perspective of trying to eradicate or trying to you know end bullying but one of the um, one of the we, we can use the concept of behaviorism to explain bullying I guess there there are certain conditions where bullying could be enhanced people especially bullies would be more encouraged to follow through it through with certain behaviors whereas there can be there can be situations where bullies would be I guess you know, encouraged to to not bully or to to stop their to stop to stop their aggressive behavior and so Sia would you like to take us through the concept of um, operant conditioning and how reinforcements and punishments um oh so the operant conditioning is basically um it's, it derives from a behaviorist point of view where like the carrot versus the stick 
So, apparent conditioning has two major factors. One is reinforcement, and another one is punishment. So, reinforcement tends to increase behavior, whereas punishment tends to decrease behavior. And positive, um, and reinforcement and punishment both have like positive and negative aspect. So, positive reinforcement um, tends to add. More stimulus following the correct behavior, and and like it kind of like giving a treat to a dog when it sits, you know, mm-hmm. it, it encourages a certain behavior. Whereas a negative reinforcement would be taking away something to taking away something or deducting something, deduct, deducting a certain aspect of someone that was already pleasurable for them. Right. In order right. to in order to increase a different type of behavior. Yeah. So, so going back to the dog analogy, you'd just be like maybe taking away their treat and one maybe two less treats a day. Or or in in in, for, in the example of like a child, you know, you take away their video games so they would spend more they would allocate more of their time towards studying or working. That, that that's an example of a negative reinforcement. And on the other uh, on the other side we have punishments that try to decrease the behavior so one of the biggest one of the differentiators between a punishment and a reinforcement is that a punishment intends to decrease behavior but under both aspects they can there's a there's positive and negative there's positive and negative sides under those two under those two terms basically so a positive um a positive punishment is um, an example of a positive punishment could be like spanking a child for cursing. You know, when when a child says a bad word, um, you you use a a a punishment to you know yes. encourage more positive. Something behavior. that sort of inflicts pain. You know, mm-hmm. so, something that I guess would la- last with them, or something that discourages them from the behavior. Or, and a negative punishment is like taking away privileges to, to you know, to discourage a certain behavior, I would say. And the key point is that both reinforcement and punishment, to a certain extent, they, they will affect how the, the target will behave, right? Because reinforcement is going to increase, it's going to encourage them to behave to a certain way. And punishment will decrease their behavior, and again, this will affect their behavior in the end. So, so coming back to the, the concept of mental health, how do, how do you see this operant conditioning uh, falling into how, how maybe bullies would need to be handled in school? Right, but like cons- considering, is it the the school's job or is it the sorry whether it's the school's job whether it's the parents' job? What would work better, you think, reinforcement or punishment? I think that it's actually more than just the school and the parents. I think it has to do more do more with society and and the yeah. the school community because you know punishment coming from a centralized sort of authority such as parents or the school. It it may be it, it wouldn't be as effective as if the student body collectively yeah. discourages and I think it behaviors also, of bullying. Yeah. And it also has the chance of being counterproductive. Like you might yeah. make you might make the child maybe child or, you know, teenager more aggressive right, doing right. punishment or reinforcement. But and it depends on your the, the level of their how far they've gone. But if the community the takes a stand together then yeah. it may warrant a different type of different type of um response from the bully which is exactly what i think has happened uh over these past few years where bullying has just been approached as a giant societal change of really 
because like the whole thing the whole thing used to be you have to confront your bullies like individually right? it has to be the individual right. job you have to con- confront your bullies you but have to stand up to them oftentimes right? now we don't focus on the bully itself yeah. right yeah exactly I, I, it, you know it shouldn't be so much as uh, change your behavior so that you don't get bullied but change the behavior of the bully so that they don't you know do the aggressive or right that's, that's an interesting way to look that that's do. an interesting way to look at it yeah and I think that happened here as well for quite a few years at our at our, at our school. We had anti-bullying movements. Uh, I I remember they used to pass out the little um, pins on your shirt. They used to put "I'm against bullying." Mm-hmm. This is actually or something that could, used to be done in middle school. You create like a poster that promotes other people. Exactly, to help that's the what that's what used to be done. Right, but yeah. I feel like as bystanders, there's some sort of you know the disapproval or lack thereof. Um, could act as a reinforcement factor to for the bully and the bully could see that as yeah. a oh you know i need to continuously because because my behavior is not being disapproved of by yeah. my peers by my by those around mm-hmm. me it kind of acts as a reinforcement and yeah, i guess definitely si- silence is silence is like counterproductive yeah definitely bystanding will definitely increase the, it will reinforce the behavior of bullying because the bullies might will probably think that no one's stopping me, so why should I it's stop? It's like they're normal, right? Yeah, it's like as, as yeah. if they're taking, like as if they're thinking that there's nothing wrong with their action. Yeah, a, st- a study from a peer-reviewed journal called the um, BMC called BMC Psychology um, did a did a meta-analysis towards risk factors um, to bullying, and they they listed out these conditions that these conditions as you know factors that may contribute or may make someone prone to prone to um, being bullied and Be- being bullied not not being a bully not being a bully but being wow. bullied so some of these factors included obesity low assessed position in, cl- in school classes overprotective parents low self-esteem a low se- a low sense of coherence and low socioeconomic status these are just a few of the risk factors identified I think this is very interesting like of that list especially the like most of them on the list you can see it's like related to low self-esteem in general mm-hmm. you, you feel low self-worth so to uh, make up for that you try to increase it by uh, exerting your power on someone else and making them feel even low so in comparison you feel better but what's interesting on that list is something oh, the over, mention of overprotective parents how do you think that would come contribute to the uh, uh, someone becoming a bully I'm, I'm just wondering I, I don't see the connection someone being bullied you mean? well if, if your parents not not really protective on their children you can the children in a way can say that they're independent from their children but I mean if if your par- your parent if the parents are overprotective that means it creates an image on that student that they can't do something else without their parents or without their parents support. It, sh- it shows it's like a, it's it can almost be viewed as a sign of weakness as if, yeah you know, it, it, oh, it's like, like a sign of weakness. not 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 grown up not as grown up as their peers and therefore making yeah. making the individual or individuals mm-hmm. more prone to being bullied yeah, yeah. and the, the, yeah, who, who would think love would bring uh, well yeah who would think extra or overt love would bring Right, often, often, kind of ironic. Yeah, we yeah. kind of view parents as like, you know, 
only wanting the best for for their children, and yeah. that 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 in itself that that action in itself could be counterproductive as well. And we know that bullying has a a negative effect on the mental health of those, you know, of of, of its stakeholders. I I. Sorry, Susan. Some other risk factors that are mentioned by the study at work is one of the factors was smoking. What do you guys think about smoking? How how smoking could cause bullying by other um, by other colleagues or coworkers? Um. So basically, smoking. I think it's more like a smoker versus non-smokers. So like smoking actually um, forms a a type of a group within. Any community, because like I don't know, but when you guys smoke, like you guys talk together, and smoking is more from the stress that you get, you guys get from daily lives, and like while talking about that, you guys form a certain kind of a bond, I guess. So I guess someone who doesn't smoke, and also smoking is pretty smoke. Smoking has pretty negative. Um, implication or negative image on it. It's kind of like a. I think it's more. It has to do with like the fact that smoking is a, is is an antisocial kind of behavior. You know, like smoking has a lot of negative effects. Right, you can get secondhand smoke. Yeah, so so it, it smoker, indicates that yeah. the smoker themselves is not very healthy or not very aware of how to take care of themselves, thus leading to, you know, leading to like thus opening the door to being bullied. I guess. Yeah, like if you factor in people like non-smokers, a smoker cannot be. N- Beside a non-smoker while they're smoking mm-hmm. because of that secondhand smoke, and they they don't want to be, mm-hmm. and it just like, I guess pushes away social interaction. So it so basically smoking creates the ma- majority and the minority, and therefore the majority, in a way, starts bullying the minority. And like there's a some kind of separation between yeah, the separation groups. between because groups. they don't understand each other. So it's like I guess like we we tend to like. You know, isolate, or we tend to view negatively of those that are different from us. I guess. Yeah, something which brings in the social identity theory. Right? Once again, it's just yeah. something that's pervasive in all, almost all psychology. Yeah, yeah because always, like in group and out group. And it's hard. It's hard to ignore the effects of society. Yeah. yeah. Because we, we're just we're, we're all social animals. Yeah. But guys, I have a very controversial question to bring Sorry. up. Right, it may be. You, you guys may take a moment to think. You, you guys might have to take a moment to think about it. But mm-hmm. when do you think bullying is acceptable? Like, are are there scenarios in which bullying is acceptable? Mm-hmm. For example, yeah. Please explain. For I, example, I, could yeah. you, if there was a need, should we be accepting of ignorant views? Like, at if someone was against taking vaccines or wearing a mask in school in the middle of a global pandemic and I guess that person gets bullied by others for their views do you think that's acceptable? The question isn't rather should someone be bullied or should someone be not bullied the question isn't rather like oh, no, it's, who, it's, who needs to be bullied or who doesn't need to be bullied I, but I don't think anyone ever needs to be bullied it's just the approach you take like instead of doing a bullying approach to them maybe you try a a rational approach, which is, of course is very hard to do with some irrational people, as we've <laughs> seen this year. Trying a rational approach with irrational people is, is, is what is it? The needle in, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Just, I think it, what I, what I'm trying to address is like bullying. You know, 
can there be positive effects to bullying? I know it's very controversial. It may even sound very, very oxymoronic in a sense. Or very, no, not sorry, not oxymoronic, very juxtaposing. But should we be accepted? Like, can, can bullying, like, to what extent is an action bullying? And how can we differentiate bullying from just, you know, social disapproval or social isolation? I mean- I actually think that bullying at some point it shouldn't be something that should that something that people think that oh it should be acceptable but I guess when there was a one person who used to bully a lot of people and then it was found out that that person was very like a bad person so again the people who got bullied by her bullies her and then at some point people just see it as like um revenge so like it just makes the situation almost justifiable justifiable and then like just people think that oh she's she's getting a payback and like i guess that situation might make bullying in a way that people most of the people just accept it but but wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't that retaliation and like that fight yeah, back exactly. make it make it worse? Yeah, so you that's know? why I'm saying I, I, that. Bullying. I honestly think there's there's probably no situation where bullying yeah, is really good. What if you're bullying? Because what if you're not, bullying someone that's bullying others? That's not the way you get them to stop. Yeah, but if you look at them from third point of view, where you know nothing about that person bullying another right, and person, I, and an eye for an eye makes the world go blind. Yeah, exactly, and. You're what is it? If you if you're the, the the thing the thing they used to say when you're getting bullied like uh, if you're getting slapped in one cheek you offer up the other cheek, right? That that thing of that thing of being docile so that you take away the power they have. On That's you. actually interesting what you said because those that have those that those that have experienced bullying are more likely to be bullied in the future. That's one. That's another risk factor that we we haven't touched on yet, and how like. Yeah, I. The the thing with bullying is, I think it has that that base of just wanting to harm someone, like the the intention. The unwanted aggressive behavior. Not not even unwanted. There's an intention. There's an honest intention to inflict pain on the other person. And they enjoy it. It's kind of like psychopathic, uh, but yeah. So, but so so some people might might do it to get relief on themselves, right? Or to but, make themselves look still, better relative to yeah. But those that, that still they in no way justifies wanting to inflict pain on someone else. And, and we can talk about why why people trying to bully other people. Yeah, but but it doesn't justify what like you try you try to. I think this is something that's very important, like with empathy as well, right? Mm-hmm. When you en- empathize with someone, you understand their perspective, but you don't justify it. Like if I understand why a serial killer killed three people okay yeah, he had um he cl- he hit his head when he was young and since then he's had um uh, a, uh what is it like a tumor i guess uh, i don't know some, something that trauma tra- trauma uh, so- something went wrong in 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 the brain that made him uh do those actions of, of murder later you can understand that but you can't justify the three murders and you would want to in some way find a way to get them back to reality or bring them back to the social norms you know what i mean that's very interesting and i and i have to agree there 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 isn't there's an explanation there's a difference between an explanation and a justification yeah 
and um on the topic of mental health let's look at let's look at some ways you know some countries legally define mental illnesses do you want to start us off Stephen, with the with the um the mental health act of 1990 established in new south wales australia yeah so australia under mental health act 1990 uh, mental illness is defined as a condition characterized by the presence of symptoms such as delusions hallucinations serious disorders of thought form a severe disturbance of moods sustained or repeated irrational behaviors which seriously impairs either temporarily or permanently the mental function of a person so i guess in certain to a certain extent um bullying will surely cause mental illnesses which is also which according to the australian government or the um, the mental health act 1990 approves that mental illness is an is socially acceptable and I, I, i'm happy that you mentioned socially acceptable because it is something that i i guess the stigma was that if you have a men, if you're struggling mentally with with your own thoughts you're meant to handle it by yourself like it's your own mind it's you against your mind mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. conquer it you have to persevere that kind of thing and it, and it can also be viewed as like a weakness or a flaw yeah exactly you don't want to bring it up but i think through through getting rid of that stigma and maybe discussing it more openly you can just combat the thoughts much more easily because me- mental illness is like despite the he- the heavy wording and, and the phrases we just went into overall you could see that it's it's more serious than like you you can see it's more serious than just feeling low right it's not yeah. so much as oh i I'm, i'm feeling down or oh i i, I, I don't feel confident in right. myself today right mental illness is a mental me- mental disability or things like that are just so much more strong that they're in uncontrolled they're actually an illness and there's a presence of certain symptoms that that go with certain mental illnesses obviously mm-hmm. it's also interesting because in the US mental illness is de- defined as a variety of disorders causing you know severe disturbances in thinking and thinking feeling and relating to others persons suffering from mental illness have a substantially diminished capacity for coping with the ordinary demands of life well I, wow. what I, what I like to highlight in this definition in this legal definition is the ordinary demands of life. Yeah. That that is very important. It's like when when you get the mental illness your entire world apparently kind of changes. So when we were first learning about depression about 2 years ago, this we were learning about like clinical depression, what clinically qualifies you to be diagnosed with depression. And the first thing was the one of the first things they said was uh, in order to qualify or be diagnosed with that depression, you need to lose at minimum 3 significant interests in your life. Like you need to lose difference like supposing i'm a student who used to regularly play soccer who used to regularly go to the art room and used to regularly hang out with my friends right mm-hmm. all of a sudden those three things just go away because i just feel not uh, interested in not, not yeah, the interest just goes away You're just intrinsically not motivated to yeah it just it. it just goes away and and you have a I've never had depression but apparently you have no way of having good control to bring it back unless you have uh external like maybe medication or uh, as we're, we're about to bring up CBT cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. right right but do you think do you think so what 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 are the ordinary demands of life like should should it like for example um 
Well, I mean, I had a depression, so basically, when you mean by ordinary demands of life, it's more like you don't want to eat, you don't want to sleep, or you, you just don't want to do daily activities that you do. Like, you don't want to socially interact with people when you used to like some food, but you don't want to eat anymore. So you basically lose all your desires. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you, you, what you do, what depression patients mostly do is like, they are now more stuck with their own thinkings. And then when they dig into their thinking, and then it makes them more depressed. So like, what they, what, like, I think one of the most symptoms that you can awfully find from depression patients is like they don't come out from their bed they don't come out from their room they just sleep and then or watch youtube and then but they also because they already lost interest it's like you're living like a machine like you cannot die like your life is not ended so you just live but without interest so you sort of like isolate yourself sort of, mm-hmm. from society is and then that causes more depression it- so, sorry to pry, but is it like you find meaningless in life? Like, no meaning? You find yes. less meanings in Apparently. things you used to find very, very meaningful. Apparently, and that's when friends are needed, yeah. Exactly. Someone I, someone who can take out from your bed and someone who can take out from your room and then give them a fresh air and someone who can give them the interest they used to have back mm-hmm. is like... The most important factor for someone to get out of from depression, I guess. This is this is this is actually the exact basis for cog for cognitive behavioral uh, uh, therapy. therapy, right? That mm-hmm. um, the person by themselves cannot handle their own negative thoughts and their and all all the things that are st- stopping them from returning back to their ordinary ways of life that we discussed. Right. That th- they need an external source and a source, and that's usually if you go to a professional, like especially a psychologist, um, it's to that that um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is it is a psycho uh, therapeutic treatment where you through discussion the the psychologist gets you to identify and and, and hopefully change or modify. Yeah. Patterns of behavior. You yeah. know. I identify the things, the, the negative parts. Or moods. Yeah, negative things that, uh, negative influences uh, in your own thinking and get you, to ch- get you to change it, get you to revert back to, I guess, more positive. And CBT, or cognitive behavioral therapy, is known to be very, very successful in treating depression and yeah. a variety of different disorders. And one thing I'd like to highlight is how CBT is different from you know those traditional methods of therapy where whereby you talk about certain you talk about your symptoms and certain influences throughout your whole life that has happened for example you know parental neglect or a childhood trauma that that may have contributed to your to your condition whereas cbt focuses on the behavior and the conditions of now itself and how how things can change now to to, allevi- it's sort of, it's to alleviate the negative effects of that behavior. And it sort of gets rid of that whole concept of blame. I, I, I don't know, Sia, is there like a whole blame aspect in, I guess, mental health? You blame yourself for something or like there's something you want to blame for what's happening to I you. I think when you start blaming yourself, it's more of like when... when um, 
when nobody takes even though someone did the fault and then that causes depression because that someone doesn't admit that it was their fault that's when we began to blame ourselves and also I think low self-esteem contributes a lot to that blaming condition mm-hmm. like because you have low self-esteem and then you try to degrade yourself then you begin to think that oh might it might be because of me that like who caused everything and that's when bullying again comes in and like oh probably because I was a stupid person that's why I didn't stop it or that might even be a reason that that person bullied me I guess and also like there's there's an element of learned helplessness I guess you just, you just feel so so helpless right learned helplessness is like even though even though a situation or a, ne- a situation that causes a negative emotional response to that causes a negative emotional response within yourself even though that situation is avoidable or it's it's you know it's not i wouldn't say easy to overcome but it's definitely not impossible to overcome they would the individuals the individual the individual would just you know consider themselves as helpless and consider themselves as oh i can't overcome it and that that plays a role in that that contributes to i guess being helpless you know learning that in certain situations that you will be helpless kind of contributes to you being helpless rather than when in reality you can actually overcome something and this was originally discovered in in the University of Pennsylvania in the late 1960s and 70s when this researcher um, this researcher was researching this researcher was experimenting on puppies and giving them electric shocks even though they can take action and they can you know kind of escape kind of avoid the electric shocks they just learn to be helpless and therefore just take the electric shocks the, the puppies do you mean the puppies yep wow and, and so imagine just being that docile just right. it just shows the importance in. of importance of cognition the importance of you know society and, and self-efficacy and motivation and, yep. and being able to overcome challenges in life and, and, and as you can see by how effective CBT is, it's just the presence of society, other people, other like groups, I guess. Right. The importance of that to daily life function. Right. So overall, I think I think with mental health, um, the, the concept of, of of the society is so important mm-hmm. uh, and so like redeeming. You know, like right. it's it's the way out. There's a lot of and, and, but but that's the, the sad part. It can also be the cause, you know, like when we were discussing bullying, right? right? And but then it can be it is also the solution, the cure, yeah. Right. But the thing is that oftentimes we can get too analytical and reductive and say, oh, behavior, oh, se- the lack of serotonin reup, the, the the lack of serotonin, you know, is causing depression. Or yeah. we can we can be super reductive to to outlining one cause for certain things, whereas I guess. Personally, it's better to be holistic about things. Yeah, you know, think Especially about multiple comes, factors that when it comes to mental health. Yeah. and and oftentimes or not, it will be more than one thing. But <clears throat> even though there can be times where it's only one reason, or you know, we can be reductive. It's more. It's it's better to be holistic about things.
Well, I hope this discussion on mental health has not, uh, been insightful, not just for you, but I think it's been insightful for us as well through our shared experiences, through our, our research. I think we have definitely learned more about how mental health, uh, how mental health, the, the how vital mental health is, and the causes as well as treatments for it. We hope we have uh, informed you and um, have contributed to this, the awareness of this of this growing uh, the eradication of this growing stigma that mental health uh, is thank you for joining us on this episode of peas in the podcast Cast. Cast.